On the phone with us this morning is Rob Withrow, and Rob formerly with Cal Fire, now with Lockwood Fire. Rob was first on scene yesterday at the Ampine Fire. Rob, good morning and welcome. Yeah, good morning, Jim. So how does someone from Lockwood find themselves first on scene at the Ampine Fire? Yeah, so uh, the word that that I can describe it with was just overwhelming. And I was with uh, Chief Walt White of Amador Fire. We were together. Oh, okay. we, had just, uh, we had just concluded a meeting. Uh, we both arrived on scene uh, together in the same vehicle, incidentally, which was a challenge when we're trying to do two separate functions. But uh, in any case, we assumed command. Chief White remained the incident commander. I moved into the role of operations, and uh, it was just... Um, yeah, like I said, just an overwhelming fire for a multitude of reasons. You know, we, we all know people that work there, and, and, of course, the first thought that came to my mind is I hope everybody's out of the building. Upon our arrival, Jim, one of the things that made this – there's a number of things that made it a challenging fire, but one of the big reasons was just the sheer amount of fire we had upon arrival. Generally, when we have a large commercial building like that, the fires tend to progress – um, not slowly, sometimes rapidly, but you have a minute to get there and get established, and you can start to try to get ahead of it. Um, with this particular fire, the, the entire, what, I, what I'm calling their warehouse area where they had their press and their sander and all that, it's just a huge building, um, you know, well over 100,000 square feet. We had wall-to-wall fire coming through the roof, and uh, it was just, uh, yeah, I hate to, hate to say that, but it was just completely overwhelming. Rob, was it because of all the sawdust, you know, the the material that was there that caused the... Yes, it was. There was a ton of reasons, but the but what we'd call the fuel load, Jim, yeah, the, yeah. the, the wood products, it was just, that in itself is just incredible. There's just pallets and pallets of, of press board they use for different uh, manufacturing processes and different products, everything, uh, you know, from cabinets to you know, other equipment and just the sheer volume of that fuel loading in there alone was that by itself would be a huge um, workload. But then you add on top of it a 50-year-old thing. You know, we had challenges with the water supply. Um, We had, there's just construction challenges. Um, Yeah, things were just, uh, took a Go ahead. Rob, as, as as we're looking at the fire this morning, we're watching it through the through the wild uh, wildland alert fire yeah. cameras, and you can yeah. still see at least one. There was two. Now it looks like just one stream of water still being put on the the building. Yeah. Is it still on fire? Is it still actively burning? It absolutely is, and it will for for mo- likely several days. Um, the, the bulk of the fire is contained within the walls of that main warehouse building, and it's one of those situations where we just have to let that burn out, and our objective moving forward is just to minimize any threats to obviously any other buildings or the wildland surrounding uh, that main building. But, yes, it's going to burn. It's going to emit smoke. Uh, for several more days. It's just packed full of materials. So it would be like fighting, for example, maybe like a, a tire fire where it just burns exactly for right. days and yeah, smolders? You're 100% and... correct. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. Rob, were yep. there any dangerous chemicals up there? Did the firemen have to, you know, face that as well? 
There is. There's a lot of different chemicals they use in that manufacturing process. Fortunately, we had um, personnel on scene from Ampine that are subject matter experts with those materials, and they were able to uh, help us identify those locations. We set up um, what we call an unmanned stream, meaning we set up a portable monitor that sprays water, kind of like you're seeing on the cameras today. Uh, we can get into those areas and strategically place those monitors we pump them with water, and uh, we flow water just trying to protect and isolate those areas that contain those types of chemicals. But, yeah, there, there's a long list. Like any manufacturing facility, sure. fortunately, Ampine had their ducks in a row, and, and uh, things were stored correctly for the most part, and, mm -hmm. you know, they were communicating that to us. It was just I have to give a huge shout-out to Ampine personnel, Dave Scott, um, their other maintenance personnel, their, their names escaped me this morning, unfortunately, but they were just Johnny on the spot at the command post with us. And uh, we've done a number of trainings there. Um, Dave Scott, their safety officer, has hosted several trainings at that facility for us, walkthroughs, and explained the challenges. So none of this was a surprise. Um, I would say the, the, the one surprise, if you want to even call it that, was just the amount, the volume of fire immediately that was uh that was a challenge for sure but as far as access points and all those other challenges that we typically have because of that pre-planning um we were pretty we were very well prepared for that rob i've heard you talk on a lot of fires especially the butte fire and other fires yeah. while you were with cal fire i've never heard the sound in your voice like you have today yeah. Uh, yeah. I've never heard that before. It's, yeah, it's, no, you're spot on. I I told my wife, I said, in 31 years, this is hands down one of the most challenging commercial structure fires I have ever uh, worked on as an incident commander or a firefighter. Just, uh, yeah, I mean, it was definitely intense for several hours and just relentless. The challenges were just relentless. Yeah. So, yeah, you got very perceptive there, Jim. You're spot so on. What are the what are the you know the how do you go about fighting a fire like this you know when you come in and i was actually up on up on butte mountain and okay. saw the first bit of smoke and was uh oh that doesn't look good yep. and then yeah. it looked like there were three separate columns very close to each other of smoke yes. and it was like uh oh this really doesn't yep. look good um you know so we set priorities. We set some tactical priorities right out of the gate on what we're going to try to do. We found parts of the building, like the Van Dock area, which has materials in it, was not involved in fire. We were able to save that part of the building. We identified um, a large storage facility of a, a material that can be um, hazardous to people's health should it catch on fire. Um, we, were, we were able to isolate that part of the building. So we just set some priorities, and it's kind of like the old adage, just like eating an elephant, you know, one bite at a time. Yeah. Um, the difference being it's the same adage. The only difference is we're very strategic on which bites we take first. Um, establishing a water supply, we had to tie into a separate water system that's supplied by Amador Water Agency, which was a... a you know, Craig Miller from the Water Agency was at the command post and just had great insight for us. 
Um, I mean, the county, I, I want to say this, Jim, the county really, you know, as this county always does, but people came together. We had, we had multiple agencies there. We even called in a truck company, for a ladder truck, an aerial ladder truck from the Eldorado Hills Fire Department. Um, and we, we employed them right away. So, I mean, you had, of course, Amateur Fire being the lead agency, Lockwood, um, Jackson Fire Department, Ione, Sutter Creek. I hope I'm not missing anybody. I think Cal Fire, the Forest Service provided a water tender for us. I mean, a lot of people coming together, and that was really, really nice. And then having folks, you know, like the water agency having Craig there for us, who's their distribution supervisor, that's just invaluable. Yeah. So, Rob, if you look at the alert wildfire cameras, which we, we have in all morning, you can see to the left there are still piles of sawdust. And there is a large yeah. building that looks relatively untouched. Uh, how did yeah, you keep that fire from getting into that, into the sawdust and onto that other building? Yeah, a couple things occurred there, and something that was um, not totally unheard of, but I've never seen a large air tanker drop on a commercial building fire before, personally. Uh-huh. And uh, we actually had a couple loads of retardant dropped across there. That helped tremendously. We had uh, a couple of engine companies assigned with a specific job of keeping it out of that uh, raw material, those sawdust piles, that log deck. It was just a, a, a multitude of efforts that occurred. But I, I tell you, honestly, that air tanker helped us out, as crazy as that may sound on a large building fire. Mm-hmm. It just helped us. to. It bought us enough time we could get resources in there. You know, just like a wildland fire, gym. When we, when we put retardant down or, or water drops down, we still have to follow it up with groundwork. And um, same thing on this building fire. So it was several different uh, techniques that worked there, but those were the two main ones, was those air tanker drops and then getting engine companies in place. Um, you know, I, I want to add this, too, and I'm, I'm probably stating the obvious, but the heat yesterday was a challenge. You know, it's hot. It's been hot now for several days. And when you're, feel, when you're wearing full structural PPE, which is a heavy jacket and pants and rubber boots, your helmet, all that stuff, that uh, obviously adds to the workload as well. And when you're dragging hose lines several hundred feet, um, you know, it's just, yeah, like I was saying earlier, it's just, it was just one challenge after another. But people stepped up came together and uh you know fortunately we and i say unfortunately we had a couple of injuries with firefighters but fortunately they were relatively minor in nature and none of the uh personnel assigned to ampine were injured at least that i'm aware of but everyone was out out of the building and accounted for that's, that's something else jim i want to throw in there that was really nice um obviously our any fire department's you know priority is to protect life and then property and so we have a saying that we'll risk a lot to save a lot and we'll risk little to save little so if there's if there was people trapped in the building or cut off by the fire which is not uncommon in a fire of that si- a building of that size we would direct all our resources to those trying to rescue those people and that of course can hamper our firefighting efforts um, if we don't have good accountability, then when we arrive, we have to do a search and make sure it's confirmed for ourselves that everyone's out of the building. When we arrived on scene within minutes, uh, we communicated with Ampine personnel, and obviously our first question is, everyone out of the building and accounted for? And, and the answer was yes, and they were all right there in that front parking lot. 
I mean, it was just uh, that helped us out yeah. tremendously. You know, the the big the the big tragedy of this is the oh, loss yeah. of jobs. I mean, 150 plus families, uh, you know, don't have a job to go to today, yep. and that's going to have yeah. uh, economic effect on Amador County and surrounding counties, because, you know, not everybody lived in Amador County. I, I know of a few that lived in Calaveras County sure. that worked there. Uh, sure. So, so Rob, where do we go from here? What are we going to see uh, on this fire over the next couple of days? You're going to see pretty much what you're seeing today. Crews are going to continue to um, spray water on uh, any areas of concern. We're going to let the bulk of those materials where we can safely let those burn out and just get consumed. Um, but it's going to be quite a commitment of resources for several days. Um, and then, I, then of course, the whole investigation process is going to take place. Well, Amateur Fire is going to bring in uh, outside agencies to help. That I believe includes ATF. That's not because the fire is suspicious or anything like that. It's just simply the magnitude, the size of it, and the amount of, of materials they need to process to try to figure out the origin, et cetera. Um, so you're going to see suppression crews there for several days, and then you'll see the investigation team uh, working there, what I assume will be several days. Um, yep. Yeah. Sad. Really is sad. Really, really That's sad. heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah. Heartbreaking. Yeah. So will there be a, a, a large contingent of, of crews? Will there be multiple engines or just a couple of engines there? Yeah, so we're going to do our best. We want to be prepared for, for as much as we can. That's a great question. Um, but at the same time, we also have to be prepared to respond to the emergencies that are still occurring. So I'd I say at a minimum, a couple of engine companies out there, which will, you know, so two engine companies at a minimum, that may, uh, may pair down to one eventually or it may increase depending on, on what occurs out there in the next couple of days. I know last night, uh, we left five engine companies, two water tenders, and a chief officer, and they had a when these this little uh, this moisture moved through, the winds got a little squirrely up there, and they had some pallets light off, and that created a little bit of a workload last night. Gotcha. So um, we'll just evaluate it, but I can promise you this: we'll do everything in our power to make sure that that the fire stays confined to that building that's already burnt. Um, but there's a lot of variables, Jim, as you know. We had. I'm, I don't know if it got as far as your place, but I know, like, up in Argonaut Heights and, of course, all around the shopping center, we had chunks, you know, the size of footballs falling out of that convection column, and that's just another testament to just how hot that fire was uh, and the fuel loading there. I um, Yes, I did. For those of you that don't know, I, I live near the Jackson Junior High, and I had my Yeti ice chest outside, which is white, just drying off, and... Yeah. I, I looked at it later in the afternoon, later in the evening, and it was all full of black ash and nothing very yeah. large. Maybe, you know, it just maybe something might have been like an inch long, maybe skinny, but no. Yeah. Uh, but I've, I've, I've heard of people who were driving up the grade heading out of town that had hunks of stuff land yeah. on their cars and on their windshield. And, you know, yeah. Rob, so why, uh, knock on wood, why did that not start fires? Was that already uh, out before it hit the ground? Yeah. No. So, how does that work? Yeah. So, there's a lot of factors. It's kind of it. It. It's. Um, <laughs> I think the good Lord was watching over yeah, us for yeah. sure. But uh, but yes, yeah, sometimes depending on how high those would so. 
when materials like that go up to that column of smoke, that convection column, that's all superheated air. And not always, but a lot of times it'll consume, even though you're going to get big chunks of, of materials, it'll consume it before it falls back out of the atmosphere. Um, and thankfully, that's the case with a lot of those debris. But that that can change sometimes. So that superheated air, it, it getting you know pushed way high into the atmosphere, sometimes thousands of feet. Um, by the time it reaches the ground again, it's already burned out. Gotcha. And fortunately, that was the case for some of those items. But we did have obviously several fires up there around the building. Right. Right. I, I wanted to share one more thought with you, Jim. One of the other challenges, so you're, you caught on to that log deck and those big piles of raw materials. You know, we do not want fire getting into that. And one of the things that was um, not interesting but challenging and maybe a little interesting was every time we'd have an explosion in the building, it would fling debris out. And uh, there was a couple times where it got pretty dicey on if we could keep the fire out of that material or not. And uh, I just found that as uh, just one of the many, many challenges there. Well, Rob, thank you very much. Uh, Very informative uh, interview. Uh, So moving forward for the next couple of days, we're just going to see what's going on right now. Uh, Crews will continue. Will they bring in any dozers to try to move the stuff around, uh, you know, to kind of, you know, like you would stir a campfire? Will they be doing that later on or you just let it go? That's yeah, that's certainly not off the table, but there's some there's some challenges there with respect to the structural integrity of the building and, and how do we safely do that. But yeah, that is not off the table and certainly not unheard of. All right. Rob Withrow, thank yeah. you very much. You bet, Jim.